Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. I was uh, teaching... Um teaching in, uh, in Europe in the, in, the, in the last few weeks and um, there's a few images that kept uh, kind of coming back in the, in the teaching that uh, I don't know, I just thought maybe I could bring them back here today. Okay. Um, and um, and see if they're you know if they resonate if they uh, they can have some uh, meaning. Um, so one of the story I think you uh, you've heard it, it's from uh, Ajahn Chah, and he's describing that's maybe one of his most famous. He has there's many many books of his words and uh, beautiful beautiful teaching from the venerable uh, uh, Ajahn Chah. And um, but there's this one that I've heard many times of um, the lake. Have you heard this one? Like uh, he says about meditation, he says something like, uh, uh, you know, when you go into meditation, when you sit like this, it's a little bit as if you are going in the forest by a very quiet lake, and you sit there on the rock, and you don't move, and you pay attention, and you just don't move. You be very, very still, very attentive. In time, you will see different animals come back, come by to drink at the, at the lake. Strange and beautiful animals. And um, I think it so describes the process of meditation. So we sit here and we pay attention and different animals come by. Urban sounds of life you know we can describe it like this suddenly they come in and before they were on notice because we were like moving in the woods making noise so we were covering <coughs> stuff with our you know activities but being attentive suddenly the local sounds become apparent and to me it's always a little surprising you know i would think in my preconceived ideas which is what we want to dive under when we practice, uh, you know, fullness of presence like this, in my preconceived ideas, I would say like, so Pascal, you're going to sit in meditation with people. Would you like to be by a road where there's a certain amount of traffic, or by a kindergarten, kindergarten where somebody's like keep <laughs> pushing on the same little <coughs> thing but button or something like this? Like, would you? No, I wouldn't. You know, that's not going to be a good meditation. You know. And then we sit here underneath preconceived ideas and suddenly there's just a distant uh, sound of traffic. And to me what I call like the, what I understand as the lovely or strange animal is that suddenly sound hearing appears a little differently. It appears as full, like things 
might not appear exactly as um, noises, but more like, oh, hearing. Look at that. To me, these days, pretty much anything is driving me in that direction when I sit. But, you know, when I was saying it's a doorway to tenderness. Like I sit here, and I'm like, oh, look at that. Human beings, they're exposed to sounds. They're fragile in this way. They're sensitive in this way. They're, f- they're exposed, you know, the, they have the body that feels. It feels gravity. It feels cold and warm. And then the heart feels... You know, and suddenly I discovered just this strange animal named, named human nature. You know, the experience of sensitivity. So I'm sitting there by the lake, very quiet. And maybe I, I turn out to be the animal, <laughs> the strange animal, sitting there, but just noticing this. Oh, look at that. You sit there for a little while, and something happened. You know, something is heard, something is felt, something starts pulling or pushing or piercing, <laughs> or pressing, or something appears light. That was, it was unseen before in the being, uh, you know, busy and superficial, but being attentive, suddenly I'm like, oh, what is this experience of body? I thought just, this is my body, but I'm sitting here, and it seems like it's more space than anything else. Or tingling, or vibration, or, and so strange animals come by and then not to mention mention the very infamous (laughs) moods (laughs) you know suddenly worry shows up but it's a very different rapport to worry usually I would leave with this animal or get scared and run away from this animal you know and now I'm really quiet very attentive so I see it appear slowly look around I see the mood change around the lake, you know. This animal just came in. Actually, maybe one of the reasons I like this, personally like this uh, image is, um, I remember one uh, three-month retreat that I sat um, in Massachusetts. Just nearby there is a a pond, Gaston Pond. And uh, when you walk in the woods, you... uh, there's a little trail and you get by the the lake or pond and there's a big rock one big flat rock and i used to uh, go in the uh, in the afternoons and sit there for maybe 2 or 3 hours i would just sit there and uh, actually at different times over the years uh, uh, practicing there sometimes i would be the only one sometimes there was a bit of a competition people like after lunch wanted to, there was maybe a couple of people out of the 100 who knew the rock was in the sun, you know, and they wanted to reach the rock because it's really quiet and beautiful there. But I've, I've, I've seen so many things at this uh, uh, lake, both anim- strange animals of provided, sponsored by nature, <laughs> but also strange animals of the heart and the mind and the body. But, you know, I remember one time I was uh, sitting, there was this strange, the three months happens in, uh, in the fall, and so there's the time, you know, hours to see the change in colors and leaves. And but I remember one time I was uh, sitting there quietly. So many things happened on that rock, but I heard like noise, really intense noise, and like, uh, do I open my eyes or not? You know, and really like something really uh, 
and maybe in the quietness it was felt more like not just at the ear door, but you know the vibration at the skin, you know, and at the goosebump for good reason. Suddenly there was like something like forty-seven geese that landed right there, you know, and the whole lake, the whole was completely another field, you know, and because I was not moving. They just landed really close by. And uh, one time I was sitting there, and I started noticing that every at every hour, almost as a bus in town here, every hour there would be a little uh, mink that would run straight <laughs> in front like this. And it kept going around the lake. <laughs> and over the, the year it changed color. You know, It was dark, and then it was white. But uh, when it was white and there was not too much snow, I could actually see it go around the lake. And one hour, really like exactly one hour, it, would <laughs> it took it one hour to go around the lake. One time I was sitting there in quiet in the winter, and the whole lake was in ice. And suddenly there was a, there was a very powerful sound coming just from the side of the rock underneath the ice. So I just went like this. And suddenly the um, beaver poked a hole in the, in the ice and we were face to face about like this uh, and we both, we both really jumped back. <laughs> the beaver jumped back in the water and I jumped like this, you know, and I understood after that the beaver were going, was going around one or and poking holes uh, every few feet or several feet to actually have a place to uh, gather air. And one time in the spring, I was sitting there and came uh, two uh, big otter. Is that the... And they started having so much fun sliding on the ice and falling in the water. And they they went back and back for like half an hour, just having fun, really having fun. They were doing nothing else than playing. I mean, that's to my best of perception. That's, I think, what... So there was these things happening like this and also things happening in the heart, you know. Uh, suddenly the strange animal of... Um, the strange animal of... Um, um, uh, discouragement. I had another word I was looking for, but, um, the, you know, disheartened, disheartened, this... Uh, yeah, discouragement. You know, like been sitting here for weeks, you know, and still visited by shame or doubt or impatience, you know, but also learning in a different way to allow the animal to show up, you know, and not fall totally uh, duped by the, not follow the animal and feed it, you know, and become kind of faithful to this animal, but just allow it to come and do its thing, change the field in there, you know, make things contracted or heavy, and allow it to behave, you know, and to do what it does, and eventually to show its nature, its nature of being ephemeral and passing, like the mink, the geese, the beaver, and all the other animals. There's another story uh, that, um, that just came to mind, actually, just uh, not, not too long ago. Uh, it's another very classic story, but it's, I'm, I'm 
talking about a little bit using different images, talking about similar things. And so I don't know if you've heard this one. I've heard this one a, a few times, a little less than the lake uh, image from Ajansha. comes from the Zen lineage, I think. And so there's this story of... Um, there was this warrior, I don't know if I would say great warrior, but very, very um, horrible kind of uh, warrior. Uh, many, many legends about this, the, how harsh and... Uh, aggressive and um, dangerous and uh, you know you didn't want to be in the path of this uh, being you know and one day in a certain village everybody the, r- the rumor happen, uh, comes that he's coming this, this warrior scary warrior is coming and so everybody's leaving work and they they're you know whatever they're attending to they leave that, that and they go to the forest and to hide because they know he kills people and he destroys everything and burns houses. And, and so the, everybody's aware of this and everybody leaves uh, the little town or village and in the nearby monastery, all the monks uh, and uh, nuns f- run away also in fear and go hide and uh, everybody's scared. And one monk, maybe the abbot of the monastery, who was happened to be sitting in the main hall like we are now, quietly, just hears about all this. Somebody comes and tell him, and he just stays there. He's doing what he's doing. He's not changing his schedule. You know, he's sitting and he's sitting quietly. And so the great warrior comes and hears that somebody is not scared of him. Somebody stayed around and is just sitting quietly in the shade, uh, you know, the, the inside the, the temple. And so he goes in, and he comes, f- so the monk is sitting like this, very quietly, very humbly, like this. Maybe more like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> after the dog, get the cushion. <laughs> so sitting very humbly, soft, uh, you know, soft gaze or soft face. And the warrior with this big kind of costume and sabre, the, the sword, comes boom, boom, and and says uh, to the and so the monk just lifts very gently his head, you know, looking really interested in the being that is there, quietly, uh, with, you know, this same kind of attitude that we have in meditation. Oh, look. The, look at the new formation, <laughs> you know, mm. impressive. You know. And um, the warrior says, uh, "Don't you know that I, I'm somebody who can uh, cut somebody's head without blinking an eye? Don't you know that?" And the monk just answers very quietly, "Don't you know that I'm somebody whose head can be cut off without blinking an eye?" Very softly. And the great scary warrior falls on uh, his knees and uh, bows because he's so impressed by the composure and the calm and the steadiness and the softness of this uh, monk uh, that he falls to the ground and says, I want you to teach me what you know. You know. I know nothing. 
and uh, and that story uh, touches me because I see in meditation that we're doing the same thing. We're sitting there, and we're actually are interested. That's the nat- that's what we do. That's we're interested in the nature of reality, the nature of phenomena. So we sit here, and the big, scary something comes up, and we remain there, attentive. You know, this big, strange animal comes to the lake, and we stay there very quietly, and we actually consider it, we look at it, but we don't run off, you know, and scared or start debating with it, or we just stay very attentive because we're interested in the nature of phenomena. And if we do that, phenomena shows its nature, what appears like being very scary and, you know, will kill me, you know, reveals its nature. It's actually not like this. When you stay around and you look really deeply or carefully or quietly, you'll see this thing fall apart, you know, and become something else, become something also very soft and humble you know? and so that's uh, that's the practice and so we sit here we sit here sometimes we sit in the subway <laughs> sometimes we sit at the kitchen table sometimes we sit at the sofa or sometimes we lay in bed or we stand here and there or we walk there and as we do this strange animal show uh, their face you know but our task is to remain present to see a little further than what we perceive at first. Dangerous, powerful, destroying me, you know. Is that true? Is that true? So we stare around and we pay attention. And in time, this is what the story says, what seems like permanent and grave, serious and powerful actually shows it's uh, it's true nature of being passing, ephemeral, uh, you know, conditional uh, light. Maybe is one of the ways. But it's not easy. Huh? Everybody else did run in the woods, you know, and so. But we're spiritual seekers. We're so we go. We we bring the investigation a little bit further, you know, so we stay there and see what's behind that attitude, you know, what's really behind that. So to me this image is extremely powerful, uh, especially, and I think you got it in terms of the emotions that we feel, and in the teaching, I'm, I'm uh, always surprised at this um, approach Methodology. I don't want to make it too technical, but um, where, you know, usually when there's an afflictive emotion that shows up, uh, you know, shame, confusion, rage, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's so wide, the possibilities here, uh, and the grad- grad- gradation, you know, um, between discouragement and despair and, or wanting, wanting, absolutely, really, you know, being totally hooked. I don't want to, or I want to, I don't want to be this person, I don't want to be this person in this life, 
I want to be somebody else in another life. I want no life. <laughs> Give me no life. <laughs> you know, or another, you know, somebody else to hang out with. Whatever it is. You know. And so these things, they're very powerful. And in this practice, which as you know we call the middle path, so uh, such a delicate, such uh, such an art, such uh, a science that to walk the middle path. When usually, when there's an afflictive emotion, we are duped. We're fooled. We get under the spell of. We run away, or we follow. You know, and we actually feed. Huh? We feed unknowingly. Maybe we feed. And so, so that's one way to be under the spell. Of course, of course, of course, we would. It's so impressive, <coughs> impressive, and not just visually, you know, impressive from the inside. You know, it's, it shakes us. And so, one of the ways is that we follow. We we we're under the spell, of course. And one of the other ways we debate, we don't want, we reject, we hate, we have enough of this mind state or way to be. You know? And here we're trying this middle path of being aware of, aware of. It's very delicate work because, you know, uh, we easily can fall prey to or get, um, you know, annoyed by or aversive hate this mind state and here we're bringing this really soft uh, gaze this soft um, meeting oh this is how it feels oh this is how it feels we're allowing the animal to be there but we're not you know feeding it or leaving with it we're just allowing it to come and do what it does you know create that uh, those ripples on the lake or you know have all the other animals disappear you know. and we stay there very quietly very quietly because we're interested in the true nature of these experience beyond you know what they appear as you know their true nature of uh, mirage like or a passing uh, experiences and so you know, in the teachings there's, a, there's a, so many lists but one of them is called the, uh, the four wise efforts the four wise efforts it's really interesting these teachings uh, I mean words because for me when I hear the word effort I'm already exhausted <laughs> you know so if you say four I'm like oh my god you know I think I might change the words <laughs> after 2,600 years that day on Sherbrooke Street Pascal changed the name of the list <laughs> I I think no, but to me, uh, it would actually be true to say the four wise intentions, because it's actually what I see the practice to be, and so the first uh, wise intention, 
wise in terms of uh, is is going to be liberating for myself and for others. You know, it's going to be beneficial. It's onward leading. You know, so the effort or the intention uh, to abandon the difficult mind states. That's really interesting, even the wording, to the, inten- the effort to abandon. And how do you do that, this, this first effort, you know? So what I've found in practice that my teachers, I think, have uh, validated after years of research <laughs> that abandoning, letting go, is mostly not a thing of will. You know, it's mostly not the result of will. When we think like, oh, I should let go, I want to let, let go, we say that to somebody else, you know. And let go, it seems like in the teaching and in experience it's been the case for me, that let go happens when there's a depth of understanding. So abandoning, letting go of difficult emotions, you know. Oh, you're feeling a difficult emotion, let it go. Mm-hmm. Abandon it. Hello. <laughs> if it did work, I would not be here. <laughs> and so, how does you know? How does one produce the effort to abandon difficult mind states? You know, or perturbating mind states, or or entangling mind state, oppressive mind states. Stop. Uh, how does one do that? Well, one do that by exactly this: sitting by the lake, quietly, allowing the strange animal to come, or if you happen to be in a monastery, in a big, uh, powerful, or seemingly powerful warrior <laughs> comes by, you know, the practice is to live the experience consciously. You know, be interested in the nature of the experience. That's so not easy. Yet, it is the practice that is um, suggested, or that we're invited to uh, explore. So that's this middle path of just noticing, oh, impatient, oh, rageful, oh, rageful, oh my God, such an interesting animal. You know, and the energy, oh my God, let me become aware of this. I could easily follow this one. You know, let me be aware of this. Whoa, hot, hot flash. (laughs) Although wrong gender. (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy. I think it actually does take a couple of decades. Of practice to learn how to allow the system to be, you know, visited by such uh, sometimes such strong, um, you know, reactivity is one one uh, way we could describe some of these, uh, uh, you know, moods or um, events of the mind. But still, this is the the practice to stay there and allow it to to do what it does, but not with the adhering, not with the uh, 
um, you know believing not with the not with the yeah the belief in what it's saying it's a, it's a different we're researchers huh? so it's a little bit of a different angle it's not like hey things are like this oh okay things are like this <laughs> no things oh this is how you present things you know that's a very different different angle that's why we're cultivating we're practicing to cultivate that attitude oh, look at this formation Ah, that's how you behave as a formation. Oh yeah, you grip the throat. You really are. <laughs> you know? Oh, you present the future like this. Oh, you present the self like this. Like having no value or having no hope. Or This is how you present things. Oh, you present the other like this. The enemy. Okay. You know? Oh, you come with that kind of charge. You know, oh, you're depleting in this way. You know, oh, that's what you do. You remove energy. Oh, yeah, I feel it really clearly. You're doing your job really well. <laughs> so, not easy. Sometimes we feel like we don't have the resources. Huh? We're kind of drowning in these things. That's why we want to practice when they're absent. You know, <laughs> to find, you know, develop the skills. So when it gets a little rocky. was another um, image. Are you are you interested in another one? Can I <laughs> throw in another one? That's a lot of images. <laughs> so this one is um, it's again about checking out the real nature of a formation of what happens, you know. And we could use this image to talk about um, to talk uh, still about emotions. I think it would uh, it would apply. And we could use it also to talk about another aspect of the of our experience and of the Dharma, of the teachings of the Buddha, about that kind of uh, formation that we, you know, that like the warrior, that we easily can believe that it's absolutely real and that's its uh, essential nature of the dis- you know of the warriors to destroy and. Uh, <coughs> we discover that it's <coughs> really it's in essential nature is not that its essential nature is to pass yeah and so the other image that um, I made a really interesting discovery about the other day is um, I use this image sometimes of um, you know the um, the how do you call it um, in English tapisserie you know old kind of middle age um, Tapestry, tapestry. You know the woman with the unicorn. So often, I, th- you know, I, you might have heard me use this image of the woman uh, with the unicorn. Let's say if you have a kind of a childlike a view of of the world, maybe you, you know, you think she's really there. She's really existing with the unicorn. You know? Actually, I doubt. I was about to do a whole talk about this. And I said, no, did I make this up? Like a middle-aged 
tapestry of a woman with a unicorn. Like maybe it never actually happened. You know, maybe I made this up. So I went <laughs> online before the teacher. Like, I should check reality. You know, online, <laughs> virtually, check reality, online, and uh, and uh, and so she exists. Not only does she exist, she exists in uh, in six version. Did you know that? I didn't know that, and I, my mind was blown away because it, it, it's one of the interpretation, the more more common interpretation of these s- six women with uh, unicorn, is it represents the six senses as is very present in Buddhist teachings. You know, the five senses plus the kind of heart, psyche, mind, and uh, and so in one in one she. Um, so all the senses are represented. So in one, sh- she's there. That, so she's always there. There's always a unicorn. And apparently there's always a lion also. Strange animal, warrior type. <laughs> that does not exist. Really, you know. And she's always there. So on one, she has her maid who's her offering her um, uh, a, a draji, a, a candy. You know. And so, so that's for taste. In one, she touches the corn of the unicorn. So that's the physical touch. In, um, I can't remember. In one, there's somebody there playing music, or she's holding herself a harp or something, so it's the hearing. And, uh, oh, in one, she's uh, so beautiful. Talk about mirage and stuff. She's uh, holding a mirror for the unicorn to see itself. Oh la la, you know, unicorns don't exist. The unicorn on the tapestry is just weaved in there. <laughs> it's made of wool, you know, and there's no mirror, and the unicorn is watching itself in the mirror that doesn't exist by a unicorn that doesn't exist. Whoa. And so to me, that all talks about our experience of us in our lives, you know, how we create, you know, uh, different different things that we hold on so tightly as it's absolutely true, you know. For example, their eye, you know, time as a timeline. Oh, no, you're not going to question that. Of course, there's a beginning of the class, a middle of the class, and an ending of the class. Yeah, that's one angle. The other angle would be to say, where is the future? Show it to me. Bring even just one of your finger in it. Not, not possible. The past, show it to me. Where is it? Bring only one of your fingers in it. Not possible. So, is that a construction? Or it's absolutely true? You know? Ah, freedom from time. You know? Oh, I can use the timeline. It's helpful, we start at that time, we finish at that time, but I can maybe also not be so faithful to it and hung on, you know, maybe I can actually take breaks from it sometimes, not believe in it too much or believe in it lightly, use it, you know. So anyway, the self, the emotions, you know, take the lion or the unicorn or the lady or the <laughs> whatever, you know, this an appearance of something, is that actually really absolutely in existence or it's more like mirage like tapestry like yeah 
And so, um, yeah, so that uh, that image of the, in one description, I could see the, I think there's the five senses and the last tapestry, um, it's the heart, and she's actually, I think she's actually removing a necklace and kind of letting go of the uh, illusions of... Uh, Something about like attachment to the senses, you know, letting letting go uh, of that, and freeing the heart. Kind of, uh, anyway, nice description. But as we practice here, to me, the tapestry is a really good. Uh, it, it works for this mind. <laughs> I hope that uh, it w- can work a little bit for you. But as we sit here, uh, you know, or as I sit here, you know, there's this sense of Pascal can be very solid, Pascal, or even the identity I could be like totally believe very strongly for a, a lifetime or for just a few seconds in Pascal, the teacher, you know, you know, it's a unicorn, honey, <laughs> you know, it's an appearance, Pascal, the teacher appears, and then when I get to the grocery, another one appears, <laughs> it's Pascal, the customer, you know. And uh, and if I believe in one of the identity too much, I'm going to suffer. You know, I'm a unicorn. I'm no, you're not a unicorn. You're a client. You know, no, I'm a, you don't know. I'm a very famous unicorn in my little world. <laughs> and so and so, I think there's some flexibility, some lightness that is possible around this. It could be around the different identities that we have, or that people put on us. You know, it's your unicorn. I'm not a unicorn, <laughs> but you might be seeing a unicorn, but I'm not a unicorn. Oh, you're seeing a lion. Okay, you know, maybe I'm not a lion, but maybe you're seeing one. You know, And so, to me, there's a possibility here of both playfulness and tenderness around this. And very, very um, um, directly, as I experience it, is sitting here, you know, There'll be, and I've talked about this several times, there'll be, you know, the, let's call this the Pascal problem. You know, the Pascal problem is the kind of idea, there is a Pascal, I'm stuck with it for the rest of my life. (laughs) What do I do with a Pascal, you know? So the Pascal problem, I sit there, it seems really real and true, and I'm, you know, it even makes my heart beat and my throat may be like, oh my God, Pascal, what, how to manage Pascal and have Pascal have what he wants and there's so many things and what he doesn't want and have a Pascal and his preferences and Pascal and his, you know, how Pascal is perceived, that's a whole other you know several problems <laughs> because there's so many po- people perceiving Pascal, you know, and so this appears like really, really real and then I start meditating you know, and suddenly in a moment where I dive under preconceived ideas Suddenly, there's just the sound of tic tacs, <laughs> you know, being heard, and les voilà, you know. In that moment, there's no Pascal. There's just hearing happening, and oh, liberated. Who talked about liberation? Somebody famous did. Oh, the Buddha, you know, liberated from what seemed like, you know, this big powerful thing in front of me, right in my face, was going to cut my head, you know, or, you know, or this strange animal, or this unicorn, 
<laughs> or this lady, I'm stuck with the lady. Suddenly, oops, the perspective changes, you know, as when you come close to the tapestry. Suddenly the lady disappears and there's just little threads like this and like this, you know. Like, oh, there's another way to see reality. I was really stuck in my view here. And the Buddhist practice is to help change the view. And so we come closer to experience to see really the true nature. Is there really a lady? Is she really going to take the candy or not? <laughs> you know? And then we come closer and like, wow, there's no lady. Amazing. I was really, you know, worried about the lady because of the lion in the back. You know? And then I discover, oh, it's wool. It's something else that is happening. And then I couldn't go back to the lady. But a little bit light-hearted uh, Lee. Light-hearted more. <laughs> you know? And so this is what I like about this practice is the kind of light-heartedness that can come in and it's mixed with tenderness. You know, oh, look at that. Ah, the lady appears. It's good that she is flickering, you know, appear and disappear. Because otherwise you're stuck with her. You know, it's painful. It's really painful. And so... It goes for warriors, for strange animals by the lake, as it goes for tapestry characters. And the teaching says, so it goes for this experience. You know, it's perceived in a way, and it's not easy to see it in another way, because we've been very, very, very conditioned. Everything is reaffirming the view reaffirming the view and then we start going against the stream by doing what? Research. You know, hold on, is that true? The way things are presented. Let me check this. I'm gonna have to have <coughs> really good <coughs> skills in my laboratory, you know, because otherwise it's gonna remain hidden. But if I pay a little attention regularly, I study the mind, I'm gonna see the strange animal come and go. You know. It's been coming and going the whole time, but we we were not tracking that. You know, the most serious problem that we have was already flickering, but we don't know that. We think it's there. It's really there. It's solidly there. You know, we start paying attention. We'll see how suddenly an opinion flashes by, you know, and my problem is gone because you're taking my parking. You know, my big problem in life is gone for a moment because, you know, something else, you know. Shall we sit a little bit? So just in case you want to know about the four efforts, just to not leave things unfinished like that. So there's the effort to abandon uh, abandon the, the entangling 
limiting oppressive mind states, the effort to abandon them, the effort to uh, not have them appear when they're not present, the effort to uh, have beautiful, helpful mind state appear, and the effort to have them grow, you know, when they're present, to cultivate them. So that's one way to describe what we're doing here. So we're sitting with these intentions, and we're not, yeah, although it's called efforts, we, we can't force these things. It's more the art, the science, the intention. And so by just coming together and valuing calm and quietness and attention, we're already doing these four efforts. as a community. So sitting just here, or sitting by a lake, in your imagination, or sitting in the temple, hundred years ago. Just quietly allowing life to be experienced. to reveal itself in its own time.
So as if we were um, looking at a tapestry in the museum with characters on it, we were coming closer to the cloth to discover the weaving of the threads of color, discovering that in a way there's no character. In the same, same way as we sit here, we might notice as we come closer to experience how moments of hearing weaved in with moments of feeling sensations hearing of sounds and the feeling of breath with the thing tingling the experience of warmth the, the element of consciousness of knowing they come together to create the absolutely perfect illusion of an essential me I how the beating of the heart or the contraction in the heart with images flashing by and different other elements create the illusion of a solid mood or emotion seems to really absolutely exist.
wisdom wisdom tells tells me I'm nothing love tells me I'm everything between the two my life flows Knowing uh, deeply the ephemeral nature of uh, ephemera, phenomena, sorry, 
brings the deepest peace. May we uh, get to know this intimately and experience freedom. Merci, thank you. So I wish you a good week. Meeting beautiful, <coughs> strange animals. Hopefully not too many warriors. A few unicorns. And um, maybe I'll see you next week. I'll be here again next week. So. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Also, as you know, there's two bucks as you come out. One is for the center here, who's opening their door generously, Julie, and uh, one is for the teacher. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.